How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters and the best-selling author of more than 100 books including How to Know God Exists and The Evidence Bible. He also co-hosts the award-winning television program, The Way of the Master, airing in every country in the world. And Ray Comfort is my good friend. Ray, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here, Kirk. Yeah. Well, Ray, I remember the first time that I met you, and um, I, I had never seen someone do what you did. I watched this video of this guy who was, who was marching through the middle of a Hare Krishna convention in New York City, and you were carrying a casket with these pallbearers, and everyone was dressed in black, and you set up this mock funeral, got everybody's attention, and then let them know that each and every one of us also has an appointment with death and then you preach the gospel to them. And I thought you were like a modern day John the Baptist and you spoke so articulately and reasoned so well with, with people who were skeptics and then you just reeled them in with the gospel. It was masterful. I was waiting for you to say, and then you met me and realized I was a little lunatic. Well, I didn't get to that part yet. You said it, yes. I didn't. Ray. So many people know who you are, and I can't imagine the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who are in heaven because of your ministry. I truly mean that. That's not an exaggeration. Um, but for those who aren't familiar with the very beginnings, how did Ray Comfort, the great evangelist, come to Christ himself? For sake of humility, could you just call me your holiness in future? Because I just, I'm embarrassed all those, <laughs> yeah, you know. Sure. Um, well, I got saved back in 1972. Yeah. Um, I was tormented by the fear of death. Hebrews 2, verse 14, 15 says, every human being is haunted by the fear of death all their lifetime. It was the secret that I had that I didn't tell anyone about. Got to the age of about 20 and just wept one night of the thought of losing Sue. Just if she, my wife, if she died, newly married, I'd have nothing to live for. All my material things would mean nothing. So I just cried out, why am I alive? Why? Didn't even think I was praying. But God heard my prayer. Six months later, I heard the gospel. The thing that converted me was the, word, was the words of Jesus in uh, Matthew 5. You've heard it said by them of old, you shall not commit adultery. And I remember thinking, well, I've never committed adultery. I'm fine. And then I read the words, but I say to you, whoever looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. And that's when it's like an arrow hit my chest. And I realized if God saw my thought life, I was in big trouble on judgment day. And that's when I understood the cross. Came to Christ, born again, new heart, new desires. And I was like a, a madman with joy that God had mm. plucked me out of darkness, out of death and brought me into life. And so I started giving out gospel tracts. I, um, actually purchased a printing press and put it in our home, put scripture on our car, it's sign writing and professional sign writing, purchased a huge bus, put scripture around that. 
started preaching in the local square in the heart of our city, Christchurch in New Zealand, a city of 350,000 people, and did that almost every day for 12 years because I'd found everlasting life and there's no way I was going to keep quiet. So I look on myself as a normal biblical Christian, nothing special. Well, <clears throat> you're certainly a unique Christian and somebody who comes to Christ and says, oh, I've got my sins forgiven. I'm not going to hell. I've got eternal life. That's enough for many people. But you took that to the next level and then devoted your life to evangelism. Why, why did you do that? Why not apologetics? Why not prosperity uh, teaching? Why not becoming a pastor? You were an evangelist. Well, if you're in a lifeboat and people are drowning around you, why not polish the brass? Why not eat soup? Or would you rather reach out and pull them in? So when you realize evangelism is, the heart, is on the heart of God, that's why Jesus died, then that's what you do. You follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Follow after me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. So every Christian should be utterly consumed in horror at the thought of anyone dying in their sins. Every day, just about takes my breath away that there are people out there that don't know why they're alive. They're haunted by the fear of death. They've got no hope in the gospel. They're like a man on the edge of a plane, knows he has to jump. He's got no parachute, 10,000 feet. Horrified. That's what drives me to reach out to the lost because <clears throat> if God has really taken your heart and changed you and written his law upon your heart, he will cause you to walk in his statutes. In other words, you will naturally Love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so the analogy I use when I talk about evangelism to Christians is say, could I ever get you to jump into a pond that's about five feet deep and it's got big chunks of ice in it and it's so cold it'll kill you in three minutes? You say, no. What's say a four-year-old boy fell in there and his feet wouldn't touch the bottom and he's drowning? You wouldn't hesitate to jump in because love will do that. You'll grab him and pull him out. Perfect love casts out all fear. And the waters of personal evangelism are freezing. There's no denying that. But if we love sinners, we'll push aside our fears and grab them. So if you've got problems with fear when it comes to evangelism, don't pray for less fear. Pray for more love. Because that's the problem. Don't pray for less fear. Pray for more love. Mm. Ray, your style of evangelism has been going out onto the streets, and I've gone there with you for years. We, we did the television show, The Way of the Master, and you just ask people these crazy questions, like, what do you think happens when you die? Uh, you ask them all sorts of questions, personal questions, questions about their secret thought life. Uh, what's been the response with such a bold and confrontational style of evangelism? I've... I haven't been beaten up yet, but I, um, I sometimes watch the I videos. I heard a story once that oh. you were beaten up by, by, by a little old lady. No, it wasn't. It was a young lady. It wasn't a little old lady. We've got to get this right. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was, it was my fault, Kirk. Do you remember what happened? Santa Monica, preaching to about 40 people when a young lady, probably early 20s, used the F word twice to describe me. And I said, Madam, can you watch your language? Uh, there were ladies present. No. That yeah, that's that what she said. Well. <laughs> and she says, uh, I am a lady. I said, Madam, you may be a woman, but you're not a lady. And that's when she ran at me like a bat out of heaven and started beating me up. I thought she was Mike Tyson's sister because she didn't scratch and pull hair. She just went <laughs> and uh, she got in six punches. And then when I was on the ground, she said to my team who are holding her back, 
let me go, I want to get my handbag, and she didn't want a handbag, she just wanted to get in a kidney punch. Took two weeks for the bruising to go, but she doubled my crowd, and she can come back anytime she wants. Ray, the first time that I met you was terrifying. I had heard a message that you had given called Hell's Best Kept Secret. I thought it was a great title and I listened to it and it was a fantastic message because it helped me to share the gospel with my, my elderly grandmother. And I called you, we went to lunch together and as we walked in the door, you began passing out these little, these little gospel tracts and they were in the form of magic tricks and, and optical illusions. And I was sitting at the table waiting for my lunch guest to sit down with me. And you were at table after table. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's one of those guys passing out gospel tracts. I was ready to hide underneath the table. But all the patrons were laughing and asking you for more of them. Your techniques of gospel tracts and street evangelism and open air preaching and what some would call confrontational one-on-one -on -one gospel sharing is, is not that comfortable for most people watching right now. Has it been effective? Whether, or not, whether it's effective or not doesn't really worry me. What, what's, what I want to do is be faithful to what God told us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The way I know if someone's ready to hear the gospel is I ask myself, are they breathing? If they're breathing, <laughs> they're ready. If they're dead, it's too late. So I, I want to share the gospel with every creature. And so I'm faithfully planting seed. And uh, God's the one that brings forth fruit. And you said, is it confrontational? I'll tell you what's got, what got rid of my, my fears more than anything else. Yeah. Because every Zacchaeus turns into a Goliath as I'm approaching him. And they, they never come to fruition, those fears. And the thing that's done it for me more than anything else is this one question, do you think there's an afterlife? I haven't mentioned God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, judgment day, sin, righteousness, all these things make him and me feel uncomfortable. I've just says, hey, how you doing? What's your name? He says, Fred, I'm Ray Fred. Fred, I've got a question for you. Do you think there's an afterlife? And people go, I say, it's the big one, isn't it? He says, yeah, do you think about it much? Your own death? And he says, all the time. His all the time dissipates my fears. He's not the antichrist. He hasn't stabbed me in the throat. He's a human being with a will to live and he's interested in the message of everlasting life. You know, Kirk, think of how a waitress approaches a table. There's three guys sitting in three-piece suits. They've got little leather satchels and they're very, very important. Millions of dollars at stake. What does she do? Stand back and go, oh, these look like important men. Now she walks up and says, can I take your order? She just butts in. Why? Because she knows she has what they want. They're there to eat. So she comes up and says, what do you want to order? And they say, yeah, and they stop with them wheeling and dealing to talk to her. And you and I have what the world wants. No one in his wide mind wants to die. Every human being is saying, oh, I don't want to die. So we know we have what they want. They don't know it, so we have to be bold. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well? If you knew who was talking to, to you, you would ask of him and he'd give you living water. And so that's why I'm bold. I'm like that waitress. And that's why you and I need to be bold and just push our fears aside like a firefighter. No firefighter shows up and goes all cringy and goes home. He wouldn't be a firefighter if he didn't know how to get rid of his fears. So that's the key, just to look at uh, the person, love them and, and realize that you've got the message of everlasting life and they haven't. And uh, you've got it. Ray, working with you and ministering alongside of you has revolutionized the way that I think about evangelism. 
and its relationship to apologetics and the concept of friendship evangelism, it's, it's changed everything. And I'm so grateful. Uh, the per first person that I shared the gospel with after listening to your message, Hell's Best Kept Secret, was myself. It made me question my own salvation. I thought, why did I come to God? Did I come for a better life? Did I come for uh, some happy plan? Or did I come because I'm a sinner who is in need of God's forgiveness? And that only comes through faith in the gospel. And I remember, I remember sharing the gospel with myself because nobody else really had the way that you were sharing the gospel with others. And I'm so grateful. After the break, let's talk about some common questions about evangelism. We'll be right back. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, welcome back everybody. Uh, let's talk more about evangelism and how you've navigated these important conversations with people. Most people, um, the thought of going up to a complete stranger and sharing the gospel is terrifying. How do you overcome the fear of talking to people that you don't know? I do it daily. It's not something you do and then it's all over. It's like you continually have to battle fear. But if you wanna meet someone, you just meet them. You know, if you care about someone, you go up to someone and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Ray. And they say their name. I says, nice day. We can all do that. Yeah. And then you just ask them if they think there's an afterlife. And I have, when I go fishing for me in Kirk, I have one bait that's the best bait I've ever had. And a picture's worth a thousand words. That's my dog, Sam. <laughs> and every day, and I've done this for years, probably five or six years, I put Sam on the bike, he's wearing sunglasses, and as I ride around, I hear women call out, how cute, and that's when I say, so is the dog. And uh, <laughs> he's my bait when I fish for men. I can ride up to any person, and the first thing they say is, I love your dog, what's his name? And I say, his name's Sam. How do you get the sunglasses on? I says, he's a really well-trained dog, plus he's got elastic behind his head and under his neck to keep him on. But he, and then I just, I've got a friend. You've got a friend for life if you're talking about a dog. And so that, that's probably one of my greatest tools. And that's when I get a lot of interviews. We've got over two and a half thousand interviews on our um, YouTube channel, which has just passed 180 million views, Living Waters YouTube, which is wonderful. So each day I go out and get those, uh, those interviews. So how do you start the conversation with somebody? I mean, I mean let's say I'm a, I'm a person on the street and I think, hey, that dog is a really cool dog. I mean, how, how would you get into a conversation with me? What would that sound like? Um, Say, uh, oh, this is a role play like we used to do. Well, you know. I'd say, yeah, say, so you, what's your name? I'm an actor. I can do this. Yeah, okay. What's your name? My name's uh, Kirk. Uh, I'm Ray. Hey. Hey, Kirk, I've got a question for you. What's that? Do you think there's an afterlife? Do I think there's an afterlife? Well, that's kind of personal, but yeah. Uh, yeah. No one's ever said that to me. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would probably say, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, probably. And then I'd say, do you think about it much? You know what, during, during the, the pandemic and everything, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. Yeah, and I said, most yeah. people do. And then I say, are you afraid of death? Well, I, I mean, I'm, 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 
I'm not looking forward to it. I hope, I hope there's not a lot of pain involved. Yeah, yeah. And then I say, do you know why we die? Do you know what the Bible says, why we die? And people say, no. I say, oh. I say, it's wages. And then the person says, wages? Yeah. I says, God is paying you in death for your sins. It's like a judge in a court of law looks at a heinous criminal that's murdered three girls after he raped them. And he says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what we're paying you. This is what's due to you. I, sin, I say, sin is so serious to a holy God that he's paying you in death for sins. He has put you on death row, capital punishment. And I say, do you think you are that much of a sinner that God is justified in putting you to death? Well, I would think most people would say, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't murdered anybody. You know, I'm not that bad. It's exactly what people say. I said, well, let's check. Let's go through the 10 commandments, God's standard, to see if you are a good person or if God is justified. And how do you do that? Say, well, you think you're a good person? You say, yes, yeah. most people do. So how many lies have you told? How many lies? Hmm. I, I don't know, uh, maybe a, a, a dozen. So what do you call someone who tells lies? Uh, I call him a liar. Ever stolen something? Stolen something? Maybe something, something small, nothing big. Yeah, like a diamond ring or something? Well, not even, <laughs> no, no, you know. And so you're a lying thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Sure. Okay, would you, use, would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? Hit your thumb with a hammer, but instead of using an S word, would you take the name of your mother and use it in place of that filth word to express disgust? No, I wouldn't. Of course not. But you've taken the name of the God who gave you your mother, gave you life, the holy name of God, and aligned it with that filth word to express disgust. Kirk, that's called blasphemy, punishable by death in the Old Testament. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Sure. Sex before marriage. Sure. So here is the summation. Kirk, I'm not judging you, I've just met you, but here's the summation. You've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating adulterer at heart. You have earned your wages. And the people wow. go, yeah, I've earned my wages. God is justified. So what are you gonna do? I'm gonna clean up my life. Well, that's not gonna work. It's like saying to a judge in a court of law, I'm guilty of committing that crime. I'm gonna be good from now on. The judge is gonna say, so you should be, you're gonna jail. So you need mercy. That's what you'd fling yourself on in a court. If you can't justify yourself, you throw yourself on the mercy of the judge. And God is rich in mercy to all that call upon him. He sent a savior. You and I broke God's law and Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on the cross. That's why he said, it is finished. If you're in court, someone pays your fine, a judge can let you go. Speeding fines, someone pays them. He says, you're out of here. He can do that, which is legal. And God can legally dismiss your case because Christ paid the fine in his life's blood, rose from the dead, defeated death. And all you have to do, Kirk, to find everlasting life is repent of those sins, turn from them and trust alone in Jesus like a trusted parachute. So that's how I'd normally do it. I've said that a million times. See, all of this makes so much sense to me uh, as somebody who's been given the gift of, of faith. I love God, I'm so thankful for what he's given to me in, in Christ, but surely you've had conversations go bad. Yes. Where people get angry and people begin to push back. How do you know when it's time to stop the conversation about Jesus before it explodes? When I see the knife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or the, Fair enough. the gun get cocked. No, I, I can tell. You can tell by people's body language and how they react and they're, they're just how, you know, when someone's uncomfortable, you can feel it. And so I say, am, am I making you feel uncomfortable? I'm sorry. Let's just leave it here. You know, and they say, no, no, it's all right. I can handle it. And then I say, can I give you a gift? And speaking of gifts, 
Can I show you yeah, this? Yeah, what's, what's in the box? This is not a box, this is a vault. This is full of precious things. Whoa. And these aren't just million dollar bills, these are far more important and more valuable. These are actually Gospels of John that look like a bundle of million dollar bills. Kirk, oh wow, look at this. Can you, can you see this? We've got million dollar bills here. And then turn it over. But if you open it up, inside is the Gospel of John. Now I've said to people, can I give you a Gospel of John? And I've had a guy say, no, absolutely not. No, no. I said, can I show you? No, and I showed him and he took it. Because who's gonna resist this? Say goodbye to rejection. You know, people say, I don't want that. They say, oh, I want that. I mean, you see this on your driveway. We are giving away, Kirk, we're giving away a million of these in January. Postage free. We're paying for the postage as a ministry. They're all paid for and we're giving away a million. Livingwaters.com's got the details. A million of them. That's, that's incredible. It's very exciting. Ray, what's something that people could use to, um, if they're not comfortable sharing the gospel verbally, but they want to, um, they want a little tool that could help them break the ice and get into a conversation and then, and then want to be able to sort of train in your way of sharing the gospel with people, what, where, where can they find some tools Livingwaters.com, you can get gospel tracks. We've got million dollar bills there that are very popular. And if you don't know how to give these out, let me show you. Yeah. Someone's gonna pick that up, it's a million dollar bill. You know, just drop them out your window on the freeway, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's audios and videos that you can uh, listen to. You can go to our, our YouTube channel, as I said, 180 million views and watch people come under the sound of the gospel, watch the conscience do its duty, watch atheists backslide. And uh, that's one way to get trained, just keep watching them again and again. And the other thing, Kirk, is you can share our YouTube channel with um, other people. You can listen to our podcast. We have a Living Waters podcast that's very popular where we talk about uh, how, to, how to share faith in a Christian life. So, plus there's the Hell's Best Kept Secret audio that you listen to, they can hear on the homepage of livingwaters.com and just go to the bottom of the homepage. What have you found to be uh, the response to your sharing of the gospel on college campuses these days? Young people today have less knowledge of the scriptures, less knowledge of the gospel than, than you had growing up because our culture is moving further and further away from the Bible. Are you finding that, that the message of the gospel is still as relevant today as it was back in the days of Billy Graham? Of course. You... You've got to realize what you've got in Christ, everlasting life. That is relevant to those who are sitting in the shadow of death. God's placed eternity on their heart. They're not primates. They've got a will to live. And that's what I tap in on. And that's what this is about. Every one of us has got a will to live, a cry of, I don't want to die. Plus there's the conscience. Jesus appealed to the conscience. The rich young ruler came running to Jesus and said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus didn't even answer his question. This is Mark 10, verse 17. He said, why do you call me good? He reproved him. And that's because everyone has a wrong understanding of God's character and nature. And that's what the commandments show us. You study that portion where Jesus gave five of those 10 commandments to the rich young ruler. You know what he did? He threw in something wasn't even supposed to be there. He said, defraud not, right in the middle of the commandments. Defraud not. And I suspect that the rich young ruler got his money by fraud. That's why he went away. That's why he loved his money. Um, and that's why Jesus added that one to the commandments. 
defraud not. But the commandments bring the knowledge of sin and show us our need of a savior. That's what happened to me the night of my conversion. When I saw that God sees the thought life, lust as adultery, that brought the knowledge of sin and showed me why God sent a savior to pay the fine on my behalf so I could have everlasting life. So we've got a glorious gospel, Kirk. Every Christian should be crying out to God, God, use me in these closing hours of time. Help me to get rid of my fears. Every day I scream out to the heavens, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to know what to say, how to reach the lost. You know, yeah. none of us could leave someone in a burning building, walk off because we've got something more important to do. And the Bible uses that analogy in scripture in the book of Jude, others having compassion, making a difference, pulling them from the fire, heading them in the garment spotted by the flesh. So if we see ourselves as firefighters, and remember that analogy that you gave at the first time we ever did a Way of the Master program about a firefighter who listened on his earphones while people died, what a betrayal. And yet we have got multitudes of professing Christians who are doing everything but reach out to the lost. And the reason for that is they've never bothered to train themselves. If they want to do it, they'll train themselves. If you want to get rid of your fears, you'll get rid of your fears. It's a, it's a matter of your will. Ray, I'm so grateful for you. Okay. I, thank, I thank God for you so often, and uh, I so appreciate you coming and, and sharing with us more today. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.